This week, I want to talk about living in survival mode or being in survival mode. What's happening in your body, what it's doing to your body, how you react, how you're trapped there. And I want to talk about forgiveness. And I also want to include a couple of techniques to help you, if you realize you're there, to come out of that. Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's top 10 of emotional abuse podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and in here, we explore areas others fear to tread. I'm the founder of The Divorce Sanctuary and creator of Wound Talking and The Original Wound. I'm also author of Finding Lily, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse and Divorce Matters. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years, working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma, and working with this life wounding. And it's through my own personal journey I know how much this hurts and how confusing life becomes. So many questions, no real answers. And I'm on a mission to help and educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives and helping them heal the wounds of our mothers and our fathers. It stops here, it stops now, and it stops with us. So welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. And you are very, very welcome. Today I want to concentrate on survival and living in survival mode and talk about forgiveness, forgiveness mainly of self. I've spoken before about three core wounds, abandonment, shame and betrayal and how we end up in these relationships. We might have had a parent or caregiver that we weren't able to fulfill their needs. They were emotionally immature We might have been the scapegoat. We might have had a combination of roles. Ultimately, an emotionally abusive or a narcissistic personality is operating because we've got operating systems within us, is operating from a wound or from a non-existence of personality. But they are basically very insecure people. The covert ones are probably more dangerous than the overt ones. They're the ones that play the wounded character. They're the ones that project out their damaged inner child. They're the ones that lead with their wound. Caroline Mice calls it woundology. It's the person leading with their wound. Did you hear what happened to me? This ever perpetuating story of woe that's happened, how everyone in their life treats them in the same way. It doesn't matter whether they're at work, whether they're at school, whether it's their family, everyone treats them in the same way. It might be an accident that happened. It might be a trauma that's happened to them. They're leading with their wound. And this is why wounds And healing the wounds is so crucial. Living in survival mode is when you cannot think because of the chemical reactions that have happened. And the cycle of abuse, which it's like if you think of two magnets in Ross Rosenberg's book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, he talks about these two personalities coming together. Some people will all say it's a, the empath and the narcissist. Other people class it as the codependent and the narcissist. But there's a pull, there's an attraction. And it might not be really obvious to start with. There's another book, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. That again is about narcissistic abuse and the narcissistic personality. The games they play, the masks they put on. And as I said, I, in my opinion, the covert is far more dangerous. So you've arrived in a relationship and there's some form of magnetism, there's some form of attraction, there's something in there that feels familiar and you override things. Now it might be 
that you weren't able to save a parent or a caregiver with the wound that was projected out. Woe is me, life is hard on me. And you might then find that you're in a relationship with somebody projecting out a wound and something internally. This isn't on a conscious level. This is all subconscious. Something recognises that call and it might be your chance to do something this time because you couldn't help a parent or caregiver. During the cycle of abuse, you find yourself in this amazing relationship that ticks every box. They see and hear you in a way that you haven't been seen and heard before. And then they devalue you, slight put downs. There might be some form of discard that doesn't have to be them leaving. It doesn't have to be a physical discard. It can be an emotional one. And I think what we need to do is look at our vibration and it might sound a bit spiritual. It might sound a bit woo woo. But if you've grown up in an environment that was possibly unsafe emotionally, it might be unsafe physically as well. And I'm not saying that one is worse than the other because they are both horrific. But for people who've been in emotionally abusive relationships, they can't see bruises. They can't see cuts. They can't see scars. When I was in a physically abusive relationship, I knew I'd been here. I was making excuses for the bruises on my face, for the chipped tooth, the other ones I could hide. In an emotionally abusive relationship, I didn't know that that was going on. I was making the same excuses or similar excuses, but I didn't know why. I was protecting the person that was hurting me and believing that I was in this relationship and it was good. So living in survival mode is your brain shutting down and protecting the body to survive. With survival brain, you might feel mentally or emotionally overwhelmed. You're not able to take on any new ideas or process any information. It's like your cup is full and you're trying to fill up something. It's just overflowing. There's no room in your head. You can't do anything that's complicated. You can't do anything that is out of your everyday task. You literally are functioning. When you're in survival mode, you're functioning. You're experiencing life by surviving one moment to the next moment. You get up. If you're lucky and you've been able to sleep, adrenal fatigue can kick in. I'll link the podcast I did on that. But what you find is your body clock gets completely out of sync. And you're awake when you should be asleep and asleep when you're awake. And for me, I personally went through, I can't remember how many months. It was horrific waking up when I should be leaving the house and running around trying to literally in survival, being awake for hours and hours at night. And then the moment I went to sleep was just probably about four o'clock, which is when this internal clock changes. I then couldn't get up. I couldn't take on any additional tasks. I was functioning and that is what you're doing. You're functioning. I can shower. That's safe. In fact, you can use the shower as a way of cleansing. Your body is producing cortisol in response to the trauma and it's no way of undoing that and no way of getting rid of that, dispersing it. We literally go into survival. Everything shuts down. All the things that we don't need access to. And there's a central point of control. It's like a, it's not a reset button. It goes into safe mode. That's probably the better way of describing it. Your body is protecting itself. Your mind takes over and it says, I don't need to be doing that. And I don't need to think about that. I'm surviving. 
And you can live like this in this chronic state. And this can go on for years. This is how complex post-traumatic stress disorder happens. You're bombarded with trauma one after the other, this cycle of abuse, this push and pull of emotions, this I'm really sorry, I don't want to treat you like that, I never meant to do that, you're so important to me. I'm now beginning to realise, I'm just trying to think of the things that I heard. One of them was after finding out a series of infidelities in the first, I think it was eight or nine, eight months of the relationship, I want to change my life for you. But what actually happens from those moments when they're caught, they just disguise it a little bit better. They hide that abuse. They cover it up. They hide their infidelities, their playful text messages or the person at work that signs off their email, that flirtation that's going on. And this triangulation that happens is used to create jealousy. It's used to manipulate you. It's used to make you think they're more popular than they are. And after your world has been rocked by something like an infidelity, it can be a long time before you come out of that. And you might find that you are living in survival mode for years. Might be a little trigger here and there. Might be something they say and it shoots you back to when you first found out or when you had suspicions that something was going on. In one of my relationships, there had been an infidelity and I'd been convinced to forgive my ex and he changed jobs and he got a new car. And at the time I was sorting out some tax stuff and I had correspondence from the tax office and I was at home and I moved some paperwork on the desk and there was a note and it says um, something about the red car. Love the red. It was really flirty and that's what my ex had. He had a brand new red car sat outside the door. So I challenged him. It, it triggered me. And it had been the most horrendous year of my life. And I've written about it in Finding Lily. And he managed to convince me that it must have come in the letter from the tax office. And my mind was trying to balance everything. And it had experienced so much abandonment. It had experienced the shame and it had experienced the betrayal, not of one, but of two people. In fact, more than that, because when I found out about the relationship, I actually found out that a lot of people around me knew about it. On some level, it goes a lot deeper and it filters out a lot further. But I managed to convince myself that that letter had come from the tax office. It must have come from the person that had written to me. And living in survival mode is not fun because you've had this person that's betrayed you. They have convinced you that you should give them another chance, that they didn't mean to do what they did. And you've gone into safe mode, so you can't make decisions. And the person that is protecting you or telling you how safe they are and that they're protecting you is actually the person that has created this scenario. And they are more than likely telling you that you don't want to be listening to your best friends. You don't want to be listening to family members that are trying to look out for you. I remember one of my exes saying in a really nasty way, a friend of mine doesn't need to be involved in any of this. She should be keeping her nose out of it. They go into some form of survival mode because 
they are running around trying to pick up everything, trying to unpick all the damage they've done and then smear the character of all of the people or characters of all of the people that are actually looking out for you, trying to protect you and want you to make the right decisions. They put themselves, place themselves now very close to you so you can't really think, move and breathe and you can't make the decisions that you really should be making. And if you grew up in an environment where you had a caregiver, these emotions might feel safe to you or you might resonate with them. And it might be on this subconscious level that you're thinking, well, I can save this person. You might have seen threats before and maybe put pay to those games. This one, they managed to get through. They managed to hide from you. There's still this thread that runs through the relationship that it feels familiar and you can help in some way. And these aren't conscious decisions. These aren't conscious thoughts. These are feelings and emotions that are done in a vibrational way, like magnets that come together, you're drawn. And this is why divorcing emotionally is crucial. Healing the wounds and that's where the original wound comes from, because if you can heal that wound, it lets go. It's like cutting a thread that holds beads. The beads that represent the wounds just go flying off in all directions. Now, some do not need attention and others will. But the original wound is the crucial one. And honest conversations and reprogramming and asking whether something is true or not and helps you reevaluate everything. It helps you change the way you see yourself, change the way you talk to yourself. And you can get caught out by other people. It might be another wounding that needs addressing and you can go in, rip it out like a, well, not like a Veruca because we don't want to rip Verucas out, but we deal with it in the way we would deal with a Veruca. A Veruca is a virus. And if you don't get every single part of that virus out of your body, it lays dormant until it's triggered. And that is what wounds are. They are like Verucas. And if you don't get every part of them, they wait they lay dormant until somebody comes along and pushes that button. Living in survival mode, you've gone into this safe mode. However, if you're put in certain situations, you might overreact. You might explode. You might go inside and not be able to talk and shuts down. The abuser knows if they can keep you in that state and open you up very gradually not allow you to move, not allow you to be near people that really want to nurture you and have your best interests. Because the emotional abuser can only have their own interests. They act. In fact, they're not even an entity because they aren't anything without somebody else. They can only operate with somebody else in their life. And this is why they move on one relationship to another relationship, because they aren't whole and they don't know how to function. Creating a safe space when you're in survival mode, we all need it in our lives. It is a space that nobody is going to interrupt you. It could be a corner of a room. It could be your bathroom. You can go and lock the door and light a candle. It could be your shower, as long as you are safe. And what you're doing is you're giving instructions to your nervous system. Every time I walk to this corner and I light this candle, or every time I put the shower on and I lock the door and I use this soap or I use this shower gel or I use this whatever it is in the in the bath 
my body, I'm giving permission to relax and to calm down. It's like having soldiers on alert all the time and they get fatigued because their adrenal system is, is firing 24 seven. So create a space in your home. It could be even your garden, breathing, controlling your breath, regulating your nervous system within your body and i'll put some links below again to some of those exercises grounding is another one being in nature being in your body is so important to healing trauma but when you're living in survival mode it means that somebody's really keeping you trapped there they want you in survival mode because they don't want you making decisions that aren't in their best interests and that is only while you're functional as soon as you become a non-functioning appliance a non-functioning object you become of no use to them and they look around they're looking for an upgraded model i've done a couple of youtube videos on this i think they're called roi a return on investment i'll link those into the description as well how they evaluate your worth and at some point they'll upgrade like you'd upgrade your Dyson or you'd upgrade your car or you might have to replace your washing machine. And that is exactly what you are to an emotional abuser, to a narcissistic personality type. They have created a vision of who you should be and what you should be doing. And when you fail to meet that, they look around for their upgrade, the next person that can make them feel whole and complete, that fulfills them in different ways. Now, they might be small infidelities, they might be little affairs on the side, or they might be the next upgrade. And I'm just going to leave you on this note. And I was watching something this morning on TikTok and the very, it was 10 things. And I, I take it the guy isn't talking about being in an abusive relationship, but he is talking about being in an abu abusive relationship, but maybe not as manipulative as an emotionally abusive relationship, a narcissistically abusive relationship. Because he says at number nine, if a man has an affair, a fully grown man knows exactly what he's doing. Whereas an emotionally abusive or narcissistic personality isn't fully grown. They are children trapped in adult bodies. They didn't mature. They didn't go through those stages of de development. They aren't a person. He says, number 10, ladies, you're not asking too much. You're just asking the wrong person. You're the correct, perfect package, just at the wrong address. Remember, create a safe space. If you're living in survival mode at the moment, and you might dip in and out of it, depending where you are, what's going on. Maybe you're heading into the divorce and you're going into overwhelm um, with everything that's going on. You might end up back in survival mode and living there it's not a fun place to be it's not the fairground much i don't think fairgrounds are great fun but it's not an adventure park a theme park it's a very scary place to start looking at what you can do and put in place that supports your healing i will put my free resources in the description below sending you loads and loads of love until next time